Welcome to Around the Table. If you aren't able to attend the recent apologetics conference, but wonder if there are good ways to defend the divinity of Jesus and the character of God, you're in for a treat. This two-part series features some of the conference speakers discussing key concepts from their presentations. We live in a culture that is increasingly secular. This naturally results in more challenges to our faith. But perhaps more alarmingly, it leads to people not seeing the need for faith in the first place. What we find as we think through these topics is that there are good answers to the questions our culture is asking, and that our faith is well-placed in Jesus Christ. And in fact, he holds the answers that our culture is looking for. My name is Scott Barr. I'm a brother in our Detroit, Michigan church. I've been a Sunday school teacher for the better part of 20 years with apologetics being a key part of my teaching there. And so these are passionate topics to me, and I'm privileged today to be joined by three other brothers um, who I'll give a chance to introduce themselves now. Jeff, why don't you go ahead? Hello, I'm Jeff Weibel. I am a minister in our Leo, Indiana congregation. I've been a minister for over 13 years, and I've been a part of the Apologetics uh, Conference and the Apologetics Committee since its inception. Hello, I'm Luke Kieser. I'm a member in the Chicago Church, teach Sunday school there. And I've been a part of the Apologetics Conference for a little over a year now. Hi, my name is Joe Gerber. Uh, my wife and I, uh, Heidi, attend the Champagne uh, Congregation. And um, we've uh, been in the pulpit ministry for roughly five years. And um, it's been a huge blessing to be a part of the Apologetics uh, team, as well as the conferences. It's a, it's, a, it's a blessing, and I'm thankful to be here. Well, thanks, guys. It's it's great to be with you, and we, we have a lot of fun together with the Apologetics Conference, and I always enjoy being with you and, and the other brothers and sister who are involved with that with us. I Before we get into the meat of our conversation today, I'd like to just briefly go over what the purpose of this conference and our committee is. Um, this has been covered on past Around the Table podcasts, but it's been a little while. The Apologetics Committee is a subset of the elders teaching resource. And the purpose of the apologetics committee is to raise awareness of what apologetics is, why it matters, and provide entryways into major apologetic questions. And we envision each apostolic Christian church and Sunday school being a trust being trusted as a safe place to find compelling answers to tough questions. And to do that, we aim to insert apologetics into existing communication channels within the church. Joel, would you mind just giving a brief a few brief thoughts as to what apologetics is. I'd be happy to. You know, the the way I look at apologetics is it's a way to defend um, both the truth and the beauty of the Christian gospel, of the Christian story. Uh, and as you said in the intro, our culture and our world has lots of uh, perplexing questions. And uh, as Christians, I think we have the opportunity to provide compelling answers in a way that's both truthful and winsome. And so I've, again, just seen the, the blessing of the Apologetics Committee working well together to shape some of those answers and then present them. And what's encouraging is that it seems like the response to the answers that have been put forth um, have been really um, positive. And so it's just really um, encouraging and edifying to see p- people uh, within our church asking good questions and finding good answers. It just makes us more effective witnesses in a world that needs them. So that's how I would sort of define apologetics. Yeah, I appreciate that. No no question about that. And I should say, too, that the word apologetics comes from what I believe is a Greek word, apologia, 
which means to give an answer. So it's not saying I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it, it's defending what we believe. And this, this group that we have, this apologetics committee, has really centered our efforts over the last few years around what has become an annual conference, most recently held this past November in Washington, Illinois. The first year that we did it was in Indianapolis. The topic was more of a general apologetics overview topic, introducing the concept. The second year was focused on reliability of the scriptures. And the third, most recent year, the subject was the character of God, who is God. And you can find the content from every one of those conferences at the ETR website, which is etr.apostolicchristian.org. Um, and I'd really encourage people to go check out the content that's there. There's there's <laughs> video from each of the conferences that we've had, each of the talks, and as well as attachments where relevant um, you know, whether it's PowerPoint slides or, or in some cases, full abstracts of, of the talks themselves. So um, really, our, our focus here today is to talk through some of the topics that we discussed last fall on the character of God, or who is God, I should say. And we'll, we'll, we'll start with the question, is God good? And this is really, this really speaks to a larger question that's often referred to as the problem of evil. And Jeff Weibel handled that talk. And Jeff, I, I guess I'll start out by asking you, what, what do we mean when people talk about the problem of evil? What are we talking about? Well, I think it maybe means different things to different people. But um, in, in a very general sense, uh, the, the question starts off with these words, why would God, and then fill in the blank. So if we if we start with a baseline assumption that God is good, which is probably where believers start, or if we start with a baseline assumption of an unbeliever saying, you say your God is good, why would God do blank? So I think that's where this comes from is that those kinds of accusations. So let's let's take biblical um, moments like, if God is good, why would he kill everyone in a flood except for eight people? Or let's take a more, a more uh, personal approach. If God is good, and I believe God is good as a believer in him, if God is good, then why did I get cancer? Or why did my child die? Or why, uh, why, can I, why can't I get married? Or wh why, you know, fill in the blank. Why would God do these things if God is good? God doesn't appear to be good at all times. And so, I think what we, we we're faced with a crisis between what we believe to be true about God, His goodness, I'm talking about for the believer, what we believe to be true about God, His goodness, versus what we feel in everyday life, which is this place is not very good, or this experience is not very good. So, I think that's, I think, the, the problem of evil is trying to sort through those those differences. Sure. Thanks for that, Jeff. And I've heard it said, and I, I, I don't have statistics to back this up. I'm not even sure how you would get them. But I've heard said by multiple experienced apologists that this is anecdotally the most common question that they get asked in public forums. It's, it's, it's believed by many to be the most asked apologetic question um, in, in all of its different forms. So, Definitely a, a relevant topic. Jeff, in, in your talk, one of the things that really stood out to me is you took, and here we are in an apologetics conference, 
we're here purportedly to be giving answers. And yet you took a decidedly different approach to the topic, not so much giving answers, but you talked about the point of answering with stories. Can you, can you talk a little bit about what your, what your thinking was behind that? So I, I don't know how all of you think about, you know, apologetics, if you've thought about it much at all, or I don't know if, um, you, if, if, if someone were to ask you, how would you defend your faith? I think most of us have this idea that um, we have in our mind a Rolodex of index cards with with answers on them to hard questions. And so we talk about creation or we talk about, you know, the fall of man or whatever. Um, and so we have all of these kind of index card answers in our mind. And that's the way we generally think about um, defending uh, defending our faith. I'm going to suggest that for this topic, however, this idea of the problem of evil or is God good, for this topic, I think that really usually falls flat on its face when you give a trite little several sentence answer to this question. Because I think for most people, this question is intensely personal. Something bad has happened to me. Um, or I've seen bad things happen to other people, those that I love. And so it's an intensely personal question. It's an experience-based question. And so I think you have to, <clears throat> in my opinion, the most effective form of answer would be an experience, an experiential and emotional answer, which I think the best way to do that is tell stories. That's by and large how Jesus um, talked and how he taught was by telling stories. And so in the conference, I t- told the story of the the um, death and resurrection of Lazarus and just all of the different points of that story that kind of play into this whole question of is God good? If God's good, then how? Why didn't Why didn't He come right away when Mary and Martha called for Him and said Lazarus is sick? You know, and so we ask that same kind of question today. You know, why doesn't God show up when I call on Him or when I pray or when I ask Him to save me or rescue me from this situation or that situation? Why doesn't he come? And so I think just telling the story of Lazarus can be really helpful for people to see kind of in real time how God did answer people or how it did work out in the end or or how um, he thinks versus how we think. Yeah, thanks for that, Jeff. And I, I think we'll circle back and maybe talk about that a little bit more, but I want to get Luke and Joe involved here a little bit. Joe, I'm just going to go to you next. Um, as I'm reviewing some of my notes from the conference, you had an argument, if you will, at the, near the beginning of your talk, a, a three-point argument that you really emphasized re- relating to Jesus and, and why we should listen to Jesus on these matters. Do you mind walking through what the, those three points were? Yeah, so what I sort of teed up at the conference and, and what I think is important is, is what I call a Jesus first Uh, apologetic, where we're asking the question, if Jesus is God, which the scriptures would affirm and the conference helped establish that Jesus is in fact God, then what that tells us is that he speaks with particular authority and particular clarity that makes him the lens through which we should view these difficult questions. So for example, the question of, is God good? Um, you know, Jeff went to Lazarus, an example uh, where Jesus spoke and acted, and I loved how he did that. 
so the question, is God good, really can be reframed, and I think we should reframe it as Christians, is, is Jesus good? Because if Jesus is God, not only does he speak with the authority of God, Scripture says he is the best and clearest expression of God that we have. And so questions about, is God good? Is God fair? Is God loving? Does God love me? All of those questions, we can swap out Jesus and put, God, is Jesus fair? Is Jesus loving? And I think that's a valid and important thing to do because the scripture does teach that Jesus is in fact God. And so my encouragement at the conference is to push everything through the lens of Jesus because he is the clearest, highest definition view of God that we have according to the Bible itself. Thanks, Joe. That's exactly what was standing out to me. And just to repeat that, that when I said three-point argument, you had it there, is Jesus speaks with the authority of God because Jesus is God. That's number two. And number three is the fullest representation of God. And that actually leads to, and Luke, this is where I want to turn to you. Your topic at the conference was, is Jesus God? Because when we're saying Jesus is God, I mean, this is, look, nobody, nobody, no credible historian questions that Jesus existed. There was a man called Jesus of Nazareth who said the things he said and purportedly did the things that he did. It's not a question of history, but when we say something like Jesus is God, I mean, he got crucified for it. And people today still see that as the radical claim that it is. Uh, Luke, you you took that question of is Jesus God head on, and you took a you took a unique approach, um, and and you you looked at it through the eyes of a couple people who had questioned the divinity of Jesus. Can you talk to us? Wh- why did you see value in in taking that approach of looking through the lens of detractors? Yeah, because it's a it's a doctrine. Jesus is God is something that's held by every major Christian denomination, Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Lutheran, Presbyterian, us, ACs. It's in our statement of faith. And so you sometimes don't get the best arguments or the the best responses by by just going to your everyday resources. But when you see it through detractors, why would they doubt that Jesus is God? It can help us respond when answers come up in our own hearts and uh, people around us or neighbors or children uh, and so on. And I mean, this gets into the difficult question of, of the Trinity, which is just, it's a hard thing for us Christians to understand. Yeah. Thank you. And do you mind talking about just briefly, you, there were two specific scholars that you highlighted and looked at their arguments. Can you talk about why you chose the two that you did? Maybe talk a little bit about who they were and why you chose them. So if you, if you were to just search, is Jesus God on Google, I'm sure you'd get lots of responses. And so I tried to pick what I thought were two of the best detractors of the Trinity, one being Bart Ehrman, who is one of the top scholars in, with manuscripts and such, and has written a lot about the history of, of how the doctrine Jesus God has developed. And then another one, I picked was Dale Tuggy, who is a Unitarian. So he believes that Jesus was just a man and he has a PhD in philosophy and uh, a podcast. If you just search Trinity in your podcast, it's one of the first ones that will come up. And so I wanted to pick these two because they are credible. They're, they're doing good accountable work and yeah, they're also popular. They're, they're voices that the media is going to 
and just your your average person doing Google searches. Thank you, Luke. And I, I appreciated I, I I appreciated your talk during the conference, your commitment to being courteous and to and respectful to their viewpoints. And you really emphasized that. And I, I think that's good for all of us to remember. If we're going to be intellectually honest about these discussions, we we need to be willing to talk courteously with people that believe differently than we do. And if our ultimate pursuit is for the truth, we, we don't need to be concerned about, about approaching it from that perspective. The, the truth is going to become the filter by which we by which we judge various statements. So, you know, with, with that, Luke, I'm just going to come back to you again. And again, you, your, your talk, as I recall, was probably 40 minutes long or so. And we're asking you to take a lot of content and put it into a short period of time. But talk just briefly about the question, is Jesus God? And you had some really compelling answers to these detractors as to why you believe our faith is well-placed in Jesus as one with the Father. Yeah, so I'll try to just summarize it here. So Bart Ehrman will look at history and say that if if you were to say Jesus is God, what would a first century person think? And he argues that they would think of something like Hercules or, you know, all these like mythology of humans becoming gods and gods coming down and interacting with humans. The The problem with that is when the New Testament talks about Jesus, they don't talk about him as just a another divinity or part of the gods or an, an angel or something like that. He's he's someone greater than the angels. There there are certain characteristics that belong to God alone in the Old Testament. And the main one of those is creation. No one helped God in creation. He is the creator. Everything else is creation. He made it by himself. But then the New Testament applies that to Jesus. Jesus is the word through whom all things were made. He is the image of God, you know, in whom all things hold together and all things visible and invisible came to be. And a another instance is the Shema, that God is the only one deserving of worship. So the Shema is Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 5, that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. That's a statement of we only worship one God. There were angels, there were powerful angels like Michael and so on, but they were never worshipped. They were never worshipped as God. And yet, 1 Corinthians 8, 6-7 says, But to us there is one God the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ. So it adds in Jesus to the our worship of God in the New Testament. All all other worship is idolatry. So that shows that the New Testament did not understand Jesus as just semi-divine, but they understood him as the God of Israel come in the flesh and specifically for our salvation. And we see this in Philippians 2, 9 to 11 which is quoting Isaiah 45, 22 to 25. So I'm going to read Isaiah 45 here. This is the Lord, or the Hebrew there is Yahweh, says, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Okay, that so salvation belongs to God alone. 
no one else. And then it goes on and says that unto me, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. Surely shall one say in the Lord or in Yahweh, have I righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come and all that are increased against him shall be ashamed. And then that is a common quotation then in Philippians 2, 9 to 11. Who, who is everyone going to bow to? What is, who is every knee going to bow and tongue confess? Well, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father is what Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says. So there, there we see that the New Testament did not understand Jesus as a semi-divine, but full Yahweh come in the flesh for our salvation. And so our salvation is done by God himself for us. That's powerful, Luke. Thanks, thanks for sharing that again. Um, you know, you, when, you, when you talk about detractors and why you picked the ones that you did because they're, they're relevant, they're compelling, they're um, credible, and you said something to the effect of they ask questions that we may be likely to ask as well. Let me go back to you, Jeff. Um, you know, when we talk about all these questions, is God good? Is Jesus God? Can God be three in one, which was another topic at the conference? Is it just secularists that struggle with these questions? No, I, I think more and more, one of the things, one of the trends we're seeing in our world today is the popularity of deconversion. Um, I'm sure you brothers are seeing that. And there's a lot of kind of famous people, famous Christians who who say, you know, I am, I no longer believe the things that I used to believe. And um, I think there's lots of reasons for that. There's, which we, that could be another whole podcast. Um, but I, I think there, there's lots of reasons for that. But one of the big reasons is, is because believers, Christians, we, you and I, everybody that's listening to this, we have questions. And the, you know, my topic, as an example, is God good, is one of those things that can be pretty theoretical in people's minds until something really bad happens, you know, un- until we're all of a sudden in, in the middle of a really scary cancer diagnosis or something like that. And then we pray to God, God, can you heal me? I know you can heal. I've seen you in the Bible. I've, I've read in your word and I believe in my heart that you can heal. And in the prayer, fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So here I am praying to you to ask you to heal me. And he chooses not to for one reason or another. No, it's believers who wrestle with these things. And in fact, I, you know, you've, you've probably all heard the, um, the populars saying you're preaching to the choir. Well, I, I think we have to preach to the choir I, I, in this type, kind of a topic because I think the choir has their own doubts. Um, I think the Christian community has their own doubts when the rubber meets the road in some of these really difficult situations in life. Or you, even if it's not happening to you, maybe it's just happening in our world in general. You hear of genocide happening in countries or um, people starving, children starving, child abuse, all these types of things. You, you just read about them in the news and you wring your hands and you say, where is God? Uh, and this is a God that you believe in. So no, I, I, I think we have to preach to the choir. I, I think we have to remind ourselves that God is good and that he has higher purposes, even when we don't understand them and cannot name them possibly, that there is a, a, a bigger good that's happening here. 
Yeah, this this might be seem like an awkward spot for me to say this, but I I want to get it in. We're, you, we're used to you being awkward, Scott. <laughs> don't don't apologize. Just be yourself. Thanks for that, Jeff. <laughs> um, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that this content was available at the ETR website, which is true. I failed to mention that it's also available at probably an easier place to access it, which is the AC Central app. And if you go to the events tab uh, in AC Central you will find all of the content for the conference, not only that from Jeff, Joe, and Luke, but also from Fred Witzig and Frank Souter, who also spoke at that conference. Thanks for listening. Around the Table is available on AC Central and now also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Pocket Casts. It is a production of Onward Media, a communications ministry of the Apostolic Christian Church.